everybody, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Thrive Theology Podcast, where we equip you to live thoughtfully as a Christian by discussing and teaching various theological topics. We believe every Christian is called to be a theologian because theology isn't just about knowing God, but about knowing His heart. Today, we are talking about a topic that is rather near and dear to my heart. We are going to talk about singleness. (laughs) I am 27, and I am single. But from my teenage years, I've desired to be married and have children. Like from the time I was 14, I wanted to get married and have kids. It has been quite the journey wrestling with God and my changing circumstances through my single adult life up to this point. And to be honest, um, during this research, I realized that the last two years, I have mostly ignored this part of my thought life with God and have just been getting by. And I'm sure the pandemic didn't help. But during the research and development of this episode, I was given a fresh perspective on my situation and a renewed love for the Lord and His goodness in my life. My hope is that you will gain some perspective and wisdom on your own single life, or if you're married, how to better love and support your single friends and to view their role in your life and in the life of the church. So to start off, we are going to look at the stories of some single people from the Bible. The first one we have here is Anna. Anna lost her husband early and then lived single for the rest of her adult life. Clearly, God sustained her and gave her great joy, as well as the honor of meeting Jesus as a baby. We find her story in Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 38. It says, There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, uh, meaning Mary and Joseph, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Next up, we have Paul. The Apostle Paul has a lot to say about everything, um, but singleness included, and he was a single person. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, we read, I wish that all people were just like me, but each has his own gift from God, one person in this way and another in that way. And we know from context that here Paul is talking about being single. Here he's saying that both singleness and marriage are gifts that God uses to work his purpose in our lives. In 1 Corinthians 7, verses 25 to 28, we read this, where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He says, Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by God's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many trials in this life, and I want to spare you this. So here, Paul is saying that the circumstances of our lives are not as important as doing the work of the Lord. It does not determine our worth. So in other words, don't idolize marriage and immediate family, which is an Eastern mindset. Don't ignore marriage and family for the sake of your career or only seek it to improve your life and social standing, which is a Western mindset. Finally, in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 32 to 35, just a little later in that chapter, we read this. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. 
but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, or how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul points out here that God has specific plans and purposes for each season of your life, and he can use your single seasons to serve the church more fully and in different ways than married people. Next is Jesus. Jesus was never married on earth. He was a full and complete adult human, lacking nothing, even though he was never married. There's not much more to say on that, except that um, Jesus is actually engaged. Jesus's bride is the church, and he will marry her at the end of the age. We, the church of Christ, we are his bride. And all of those metaphors about marriage, all those times when Jesus was at a wedding, like the wedding feast at Cana, he knows he's going to marry the church, his bride, and he is waiting for that just as we are. The New Testament presents a way of single living that is just as acceptable as married living by showing that the point is the gospel and the kingdom, not a legacy defined specifically by being married and having children. We're going to talk now about some of the lies that single people believe and also the truths that we need to hold on to to replace those lies and refute them. The first is that life will be easier, whether that's logistically, financially, emotionally, um, when I'm married. So Bethany has expressed this sentiment to her friends a few times and in one conversation with myself, um, and Bethany wrote these notes. So she (laughs) says here that I had a great response. That's not my... (laughs) my, um, whatever. So Bethany and I had been talking and I had shared this with her and, um, this is what I had said to her. Never think about having a husband when you're feeling hurt, angry, guilty, or lonely. Satan will use that vulnerability to whisper, see, this wouldn't be so hard if you had a husband. If you had a husband, you wouldn't have this issue. Instead, it's in those moments when you need to turn to the Lord because only he can help you with those things. A husband is not the solution. Don't get caught in the spiral of if-onlys. A husband is a short-term, shallow-surfaced solution at best. Jesus is the long-term, heart-changing solution. There are just as many challenges to married life and just life in general. I'm blessed to be friends with people that are married, and I've walked with one of them through being single and dating and getting married. And it's actually a real blessing to just share, guys, I'm feeling this way right now. And they are very loving and gentle, but they're also quick to jump in and say, okay, but I have that challenge too, or I have a um, challenge, but in a different area. And it's a good perspective um, to change to, because often I'm just so focused on my own life of, oh, I wish I had a husband. This would be easier if I was married. This would be easier if I was married. Um, But it's good to hear from my friends that there are so many more challenges in life and that husband is not the solution to these and that there are other challenges for other people. It gives me a good perspective on how to be an adult human in relationship with others. The next lie is that married people always have someone. The truth is that husbands and wives are often apart, even and even when they're together, a spouse is not Jesus. We singles, myself, tend to romanticize marriage without acknowledging the challenges and difficulties that are the same in both circumstances. In fact, if you are married to the wrong person, 
it can be a whole lot lonelier than being single because you share life with that person and that could just be really difficult. Singleness offers the unique opportunity to rely on Jesus for many of the things that married people rely on each other for. And in fact, we're never alone. Nobody is ever alone because we do have Jesus and Jesus is everything. The next lie we have is that I'll be fulfilling my innate purpose when I'm a married mother or father. This is dangerous because a Christian's innate purpose is to know God, enjoy him and live for his glory. However, that looks in your season of life. We are not limited to how much we can glorify God based on our marital status. That's just simply not true. Sometimes in the North American church, we elevate marriage um, in an unhealthy way, and that can be a pit that we fall into, but you are not limited in how much you can glorify God because you are single or married. Instead, God asks us to glorify him as much as possible in whatever circumstance we're in. Next is that once I am content in my singleness, God will bring me a spouse. This is manipulative and defeating. Manipulative because God never says this, and we don't strive for contentedness in order to goad God into giving us what we want, mainly a spouse. We, we don't do that. Um, also, in my own thought life, I've been told this, or I've heard different people where this is their story, and I'm like, how the heck do I do this when God knows my every thought? Like if I'm trying to look, God, see, I feel I'm content. I'm ready for a husband now. Like it doesn't work like that. God knows our thought life so that it doesn't work. Second is it, it's not a transaction. Um, defeating because it turns the goal into being content when that is an ever moving goal and life is so much more. We can learn to be content in every situation, even while desiring other good things. It's the tension of holding where I am. I trust the Lord. I'm living fully in this and I'm enjoying this season that I'm in and I still desire something else. And that's okay. God can hold those things for you. Next is that once I'm married, I won't struggle with my sexual desires anymore. This is going to be the only time we actually touch on sex in this episode because neither of us just feel qualified to talk about this. There are many books, podcasts, videos, sermons, etc. out there for you for people who are way more skilled in this than us. The answer is the self-control you learn in single life will be used in other areas of life even when you're married. I say this as a single person. Plus, under almost all sexual struggle is a spiritual issue that is using sex as a band-aid. Do some praying, thinking, and counseling to deal with the problem beneath the problem. This is, in fact, a lifelong struggle, and this can apply to multiple areas of life. The thing that you're struggling with might not actually be it. There's probably something beneath that that's driving your issues. The next lie is, I'm going to be lonely forever. Um, we kind of already touched on loneliness, but if you are a Christian, you belong to the family of Jesus both forever and right now. You can choose to fill your life with friends, and plus, you have Jesus. And that may sound trite, we know, but it's true. People say it because it's true. Also, I've seen this trend, and I think, I don't know if it came out of the purity culture movement or what, but there's this trend where like girls are like, I'm dating Jesus until like <laughs> until you find a 
real boyfriend. Um, and it's like, well, so are you just not dating Jesus then? Like, is Jesus just a filler? Is he just a substitute until you get a husband? Because there's two problems there. One, you're downgrading Jesus. And two, you're putting a husband on a pedestal and you're, you're making him your salvation. Um, and what happens? Do you break up with Jesus when you go find someone to date? Right. And so there's just a whole host of problems with that. So when we say you have Jesus, we mean whether or not you're married, whether or not you're single, doesn't matter if you have li- children or not, have kids, live on your own, live with your family, doesn't matter. Every single person has unlimited access to God the Father and Jesus the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. The next lie is that marriage is more sanctifying than singleness. And this is something Bethany and I have talked about. And we're going to actually read Romans 8 verses 28 to 29 to discuss this. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Here we see that God's goal for our life is to make us more like Jesus, his son, which is sanctification. Sanctification is the fancy word for becoming more like Jesus. He will use our life's circumstances to do this because he loves us. God has used Bethany's single life to mold her, teach her, and love her. God has also done the same with myself in my marriage. The sanctifying challenges of marriage and singleness are different, but they both can serve the same purpose. Bethany and I have actually talked about this, where God has accomplished things in my heart through my marriage, and he's accomplished very similar things in Bethany's heart through her singleness. God has used our two opposite experiences of young adulthood and achieved the same purpose, which is to make us more and more like Christ. And that is a beautiful thing. And that is something that God does. I am not more sanctified because I'm married than Bethany is. In fact, she's more spiritually mature in some areas than I am. Um, But God has accomplished in her life things that could only be accomplished through her singleness. And he's accomplished things in my life that have only been accomplished because I'm married. I do want to jump in here and say that um, the only reason why we were, Emily and I were able to share those parts about our life and rejoice in both our and the other person's circumstances is because we were honest and open and vulnerable with each other. And I'm not that way with a lot of people. I've got a close circle of friends and some very close family members. Um, But I urge you find at least one person that you can just be honest about your struggles with, because even if you're ashamed of them, even if you feel like this is silly, no one will understand. It's highly likely that God is going to use your struggles and another person's struggles to bring you closer to both each other and to him and to give you a renewed sense of contentment and joy in the season that you're in and you can see better what he's been doing in your life and other people's. So that's just my little plug to have friends you can talk about, talk to about all of your stuff. Um, Our next point, the longer I'm single, the less time I'll have with my future children and my body clock is ticking. This is a lie straight from Bethany's brain. <laughs> I this lie came to me and a couple day, for a couple days I was just mad at God. I was like, "Ah, oh, Lord, you know I've done the things to put myself in the place where I could meet a man and become married and have kids. You know I've been doing this for years and I'm going to have less time with my children." And it was really hard and then I was cutting grass and 
God just brought this to my heart. If God does end up giving me children later, and if they follow the Lord, I'll have eternity with them and the rest of the body of Christ. And the 10 to 15 years that I live without them now is nothing when compared to eternity. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is where what you actually believe impacts the way that you view your situation. Do I believe that the church of God will have eternal life? And if I do, how does that change my perspective on my circumstances right now? And then I had to tell myself that truth, even though I was still feeling hurt. I may never have children. I may never get married. I don't know. God has not promised me that. But I know for sure that I'm going to be with God and the family of God forever. And that in itself is something I can hold on to. Matthew chapter 19, verse 12 says this. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. There are eunuchs who were made by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves that way because of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. The context here is that Jesus is teaching on divorce and holds up singleness as preferable to a contentious and divorce-destined marriage. Jesus takes the moment to turn the conversation from a marriage-focused mindset to a kingdom mindset. In the ancient world, and even now, a person's greatest accomplishment and security was their legacy of children. That was how your line, name, land, and legacy were established and secured. Here, Jesus is showing a different life path with kingdom values. A person can live their life with the confidence of a legacy secure in the eternal body of Christ. That is our hope. The next lie we have is a short one, and it says that marriage is better so you should be married. And the answer is even shorter, and that is that the Bible does not say this. (laughs) I think sometimes that we, when we elevate marriage over singleness and then try and use the Bible to do so, that is because we as humans have the tendency to elevate marriage over singleness, and then we use the Bible to back up that viewpoint. But if you just read the Bible, you don't start with that. You don't start with the idea that marriage is inherently better than singleness. Last lie is there's only one way that God can fulfill my desires for marriage and motherhood, or one way that he can use the gifts that I think are best used in marriage and motherhood. The truth is that God has given me opportunities to use my gifts that I perceive are more geared towards marriage and motherhood with and for others now. While there are times when my heart needs to take a little step back, um, I can often choose to enjoy the time that I have to the fullest, even if I don't have my own husband or children. Some examples is I've been able to do babysitting for various ages. I can use my cooking skills to bake cookies for our church's lunch ministry, um, teaching youth groups, so being with teenage kids, spending time with my younger cousins. Um, Emily and I both get to be aunts to our friend's baby, which that's a really special um, thing for both of us. Honestly, God has just been so kind to me in this. He's giving me little tastes. I get to use these gifts that I you know, I think are only for this. He's like, no, you can use them and to bless other people. And I found such joy in that. And I'm actually only just starting to recognize it.
we're going to shift from discussing lies to now talking about some unhelpful platitudes and comments that often married people say to single people. The first is, oh, don't worry, you're still young. There's lots of time for that. The second is, I'm sure you'll find somebody. And the third is, why are you still single? I didn't really want to say too much about this, just that those things aren't helpful. When a single person shares their struggle, it, it doesn't really help to say, oh, don't worry, you'll find some. That doesn't help me. It doesn't. And that's not something that God has actually promised. So um, I'm sure you'll find someone. Again, not helpful. In fact, you could just take an active role in helping the person find somebody by setting them up. Um, and the third, why are you still single? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's not helpful. Don't, don't say that to people. Um, instead, just ask them about their life. Ask us what God's working on in our heart. Ask us what we've been enjoying lately. Please don't make every conversation about whether or not we're married or that's just Single people are fully fledged adult members of the church and the search for a husband is not the only interesting thing for us to talk about. And I will just add that we don't talk to married people only about their spouses. So why do we talk to single people only about their lack of a spouse? Like, I know we don't only say that, but like people don't constantly come up to me and be like, oh, how's your marriage going? You know, like, how's William? How's being a wife? Because, like, I am not reduced to my role as wife, only, like, just because I got married. Like, people talk to me about my job or about what I'm involved in. And, like, I am not only my husband's wife. I'm still myself. And I think that sometimes we'll do that with single people where we're, like, hyper-focus on their marital status. And then kind of forget that they live this whole other life separate from that and that that they are like Bethany said still full-fledged adult members of society and the church. This would also of course transfer to different seasons in people's lives. Like if there's a couple that is married that don't doesn't have kids, please don't go up and ask them why not. It's not helpful, it's insensitive. And there are people who just don't know and they're just asking, and that's a really great opportunity for you to educate and say, I'm not sure. Let me tell you about this other really interesting and um, satisfying thing that God has me involved with. Just switch the conversation. Be loving to people. The last thing we're going to talk about in this episode is some encouragement and tips for the single life and for married people who have single friends, which married people, you should have single friends. The first is that's new to me, which I was greatly encouraged by in doing this, doing research for this episode, is the truth that no one is marrying the person God has for you or having the children God has for you. This is a scarcity mindset. It's looking at the people around you who are getting married and saying, well, that's one less. Guess the search is harder now. Remember this, when people around you are getting married and having children and you're feeling the temptation to be bitter about it, God has a plan for you. And unless his plan is for you to marry, to marry somebody who already has children and who was already married before, like nobody's marrying your husband. Nobody's having your children, the husband and children that God might have for you, he'll give to you in the right time. You're, it sets you free to enjoy the kids that you're around and the babies that your friends have and celebrate and rejoice in the marriages that happen around you as well. 
The second tip is to just live your life and seriously live your life. Recognize all the positives and advantages of being single and maybe write them down. I find personally writing things down helps me a lot because sometimes I'll think of them one time and the next day I've forgotten all the reasons and feel like there's no reasons. So for example, um, Bethany's personal example, as being single, she doesn't have to ask anyone for permission or coordinate with a spouse's schedule if she wants to do something. Um, One thing I mentioned to Bethany a number of years ago when I was married was, and she was finishing school and not really sure what she should do. I was thinking, you know, if Bethany just wanted to move to England and work for a year, she could do that. Like she could totally just do that. Maybe not right now with COVID, but (laughs) she could just do that. And I got married as soon as I finished college. And guess what? I can't just do that. My husband has a job. He has a career. Um, and since then we've taken on more commitments. We're just not as I'm and not bought free. a farm. Yep. And I'm just not free to go and do something different. If I want to, Bethany is in a position where she could totally do that if she wants. Or as simple as coordinating girls nights. Yeah. I don't have to go ask somebody if a date works. You don't have a husband to kick out of the house. Exactamundo. <laughs> Next is that It is okay to grieve the losses you have in singleness. This was a recent revelation to me in the last couple of months. Um, I've had to give myself space to grieve not being married by 22. And then again at 24. Or then again by 27, which is the age I am now. Um, Or not being a mother by different milestones, etc. And as each of these times go by, I will still have to grieve anew. If I'm single by the time I'm 30, I'll have to grieve all over again. And that is okay. And that is healthy. My life is not going just as I thought it would be. And that's okay because Jesus holds my future. Give yourself the space to grieve and then give it back to God and dream about the future. And I've often felt like I'm coming to my friends with the same, like, guys, I just want to be married. And like, there's a, there's a sense when I don't want to just complain all the time, but this is the thing in my life that I am feeling. And if every couple of months, I just want to have to take some time and say that to my friends, that's okay. Um, Just another tip is that often there are people who are older who met their spouses at a more mature age. um, And then they will hold up their experience as proof saying, see, like God might be just doing the same thing with you. Maybe he's just waiting for you to be content. Or maybe he's just, you know, it was when I got content that that's when I met my spouse or, or Look, whatever their They got married is. at 27. Maybe you will. Right. And I think that the danger with this is that we set ourselves up for certain expectations that is not necessarily our story, but it is somebody else's. And then these milestones might pass and you're still where you were in terms of marital status um, earlier. And so Bethany just kind of thinking from her own experience is that she really suggests not doing this because God is writing your story and he rarely does the exact same thing twice in somebody's life. Maybe there will be similarities, but that doesn't mean that God is trying to accomplish the same thing in your life as somebody else's. And it doesn't mean that he's going to accomplish it the same way because people are different and God doesn't accomplish everything the same way in everybody's lives. And lastly, There have been so many times when I've wanted to ask God for a blueprint for my life. Like if I'm meant to be single forever, or if I'm meant to be single until 30 or 35, that it would be easier if God would just tell me. Then I could just, you know, be okay with that time or work through it or plan for it or whatever. Um, But God just doesn't operate like that. He doesn't do that for anybody else. 
married or not, he gives us just the amount of grace that we need for the time that we're in. Do I feel I have the strength to be single forever? Nope. But I don't need to because God will give it to me as I need it. There are quite a few recommended resources out there for single people, and I listen to some that are not super helpful. And so the one or the two that I would like to point you to, the first is a Q&A session on Annie F. Downs' podcast called That Sounds Fun. This is a Q&A. She goes through a hundred questions that a whole bunch of people have sent in, and it was super helpful for me. She is a single person who is later in life, and I was very encouraged by her perspective and her tips. This would be good for both single people and married people because there are questions directed at both. Um, I highly suggest it. The second is Tim Keller has a podcast episode where he talks about the theology of singleness, and as he always does, he brings it right back around to the gospel and what is our heart's true devotion and desire. So I would recommend that. Also, be careful who you listen to. Um, Just process those things with the scripture. Don't just trust anybody and live. Live your life. Married people, help your single friends to live their life. Invite them over for dinner. Like have them into your house. Go for walks with them. Don't, Don't just think that, oh, they're busy. They won't want to. No, please have us over. Um, Spend time with us. So that's my encouragement to married people. We will talk to you next week with another episode of the Thrive Theology Podcast. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the Thrive Theology Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a rating or review. For show notes, resources, blog posts, and a complete archive of episodes, visit us at thrivetheology.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at Thrive Theology. We'll chat with you next time.